A few weeks back on our local radio news station, 11.50 AM KQQQ, I heard Bill and Evan talking about someone, I don't remember who, and how this person always smiled and was always happy, and then the assertion was made that they may be even more smiley than Paul Kimmel. There's just no way. Uh, I decided to talk to Paul because he's always struck me as a guy who's interested not in local politics, but in community. Some of the roles he's done in the past, including uh, Latah County Commissioner, Moscow Executive Chamber Director, uh, his role with the Palouse Basin Aquifer Committee, are because he cares about the community and and not some misguided perception of the, the grandeur of local politics and local politicians. Because I can tell you, I've seen people jump into local politics thinking it's a it's a sweet gig and, and you're hot stuff for doing it. And ain't, ain't none of that actually true. Uh, but Paul really cares. And my interactions with Paul over the years have been uh, really a lot due to his role with Avistacorp, doing community relations on the Palouse, a job that he's very well suited for. We, of course, had the uh, natural gas pipeline issue, so so obviously I had to talk to him about that. Uh, finally, as a lifelong baseball fan, because it is the absolute best sport there is, and I obviously I just had to throw that in there. We find out, since Paul's originally from Chicago, whether he grew up rooting for the Chai Sox or the Cubbies. That's a very important question, maybe the most important question. <laughs> Uh, I sincerely hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did recording it. Uh, thank you so much for listening and watching the Pullman Proud Podcast. Hi, my name is Brandon Chapman. You can just call me Chappie. I choose to live in Pullman because I love Pullman. The city is far from perfect, but it's been perfect for my family and me. On this podcast, I interview people because behind every business, organization, cause, or initiative is a person who works tirelessly to make this community the way it is. It's a person who helps make me Pullman Proud. The Pullman Proud Podcast is brought to you by Sprouse Real Estate, where passion meets expertise. Meet Shiloh and Abigail Sprouse. Hello, I'm Shiloh. And I'm Abigail. Team Sprouse is a dynamic and successful married team of agents who uniquely blend dedication, attention to detail, and extensive knowledge for every client they serve. Licensed in both Washington and Idaho, send them an email, teamsprousrealestate at gmail.com. We thank Team Sprouse for their dedication to Pullman and for their sponsorship of this podcast. Back on another episode of the Pullman Proud Podcast, and I'm really pleased today to be joined by Paul Kimmel, who's a business and public affairs manager with Avista, specifically on the Palouse region. And Paul, first of all, welcome. Secondly, being being on the Palouse uh, in this in this current role, it, it only makes sense, right? You've been here years. Uh, tell me, tell me how the you know the the Kimmel family originally ended up on the Palouse. Well, it wasn't by wagon train. Uh, I came out here for. <laughs> I came up for graduate school in the early 80s. From where? From um, Illinois. Hmm. So, so again, I, I grew up in, well, born in Philadelphia, grew up in the Chicago area, went to undergraduate at Illinois State, and had just planned on living Midwest, probably be, I was urban planning, probably be a planner in downtown Chicago. I mean, I kind of had it, thought I had it figured out, and then I, I did a student exchange my senior year of college out to the University of Montana and you know once I once I fell in love with the mountains it was hard to go back 
so tried to figure out a, a, a but I needed a graduate degree so uh, it just landed in Moscow at, in the College of Mines it was a great program um, and so that got me here um, and that uh, that was early 80s so again it, and of course who doesn't fall in love with Palouse once you're here so. now don't hate me you came in the early 80s I was born in 80 so <laughs> So there you go. Well, I'm I'm glad you're here, and I, I'm just gonna for uh, for purposes of of people who haven't met you, which is surprising that there there may be people. Uh, you you've always been one of my favorite people, and it's it's just your countenance, your smile, your positivity. Uh, I appreciate that. I am somebody who's prone to, you know, I went into journalism. I kind of want to fight the man sometimes, and mm-hmm. and there's that little bit of skeptic pessimistic side even though my heart usually is in the right place and so sometimes I can get a little down and I, I I'm sure you get down too but you don't let that um, show so yeah I used to I used to have a, a black lab and and she was my uh, she was my counsel and my my uh, I guess if I had to go to somebody with the woodshed and I was never mean to the dog I mean how could you be mean to a black lab I know but she was there for me I mean oh, my wife is good too, but yeah but it, she was my sort of my my release. Well, let me ask you a question that I've asked all of the guests uh, because I, I am calling this the Pullman Proud Podcast, and you know I, I've mentioned many times I Pullman's not perfect. Uh, it's been perfect for myself and my family, but especially for somebody who lives you know outside of Moscow. Uh, you've been a Latah County Commissioner. You're very much um, there in Moscow, but your role, your community role, has extended through Pullman and. And even when, at one point, when I was on city council, we had a council retreat, you helped facilitate that retreat, uh, if you'll recall, um, there downtown in Pullman. So you've been very invested in Pullman. So um, with with maybe maybe the question is, like, what makes you Pullman proud? But I I would extend it to what makes you Palouse proud, like on the Palouse. I think that would be appropriate. Well, you know, and... and much of my role with the with the Vista Utilities is very external facing and it's supporting supporting the priorities that our communities um, have and, and again Pullman Pullman has always been focused on its future um, it's it's well well run uh, good governance you know it has flaws too but uh, it's just been delightful to work with um, the mayor the staff and the council and fire chief police chief and it's it's just wonderful to be there and then for 15 years almost 16 years i had an office downtown pullman so um and then again having having been on the moscow latos side for many years prior to that i i thought i sort of had some strong biases for moscow but you know once i started living breathing operating in in downtown pullman it was like this is a nice place. These are great people, and and so again, it was it was really fun to kind of spend well sixteen years downtown Pullman, and I just gave up that office last year, and so again, COVID kind of messed everything up. But um, so I mostly work out of my house, but I I travel a lot up to Spokane where we're based. Yeah, and and Spokane is uh. You know, no matter where you, my kids, you know, they're, they're high schoolers, they're teenagers, I've got one in college, but no matter where you grow up, there's always the big town you want to go to, so I tell them if they were in Spokane, then they'd be looking to Seattle, and I don't want them yeah. to have to do that, so I'm glad they're in Pullman, and then occasionally they can go with their friends to Spokane, that's, 
that's a nice little trip. So, uh, yeah. well, we're we're really glad to have you here. Um, you know, I mean, this isn't going to be questioning uh, about a vista so much as it is, I think, a philosophy on community. Um, over time, what I've noticed is that um, if there are things that are amiss, uh, something's not happening right. Um, I, we we had a little little power, a vista power thing that happened at my house, and and um, anytime there was there's anything, you reach out to you, and a vista takes care of it. And um, I, I know that generally most people don't interface with, you know, a, a utility company mm -hmm. or anything like that. They're not going to uh, interface with a Vista. You find out, well, the rates could raise or this or that. And, and that's, it's all so far away. Um, but like when, when the rubber meets the road, hey, you know, we, we had to do this big project. It, they had to tear into this thing here. Um, like a Vista wants to do right. They want to put the road back the way it was. They want to put the, the grass back the way it was um, and just does right by the community. So I don't know how much of that is a company philosophy, mission, vision, value, and how much of it is an extension of the people who are interfacing with the community like you. And maybe you could enlighten me a little on that. Yeah, and, and, and I'd say it's it's both. Again, we we have a culture that, that puts community and customer in the center, it really does, and I don't. I'm not just saying that, but it's it's always been the philosophy, and again, that's part of part of what drew me to the company. Because again, I had a I had a perfectly fine position as the regional director for the Idaho Farm Bureau Federation, um, and that was fun, just getting to work with farmers and politicians, and it was like what could what could be more fun than that? But um, then uh, coming, getting um, an opportunity to work for Avista. It was just even even more fun. So, but again, no, we, um, you know, we we view how we serve our customers and communities as as a privilege. You know, again, we we operate at, you know, um, very closely with our cities because again, we're in your right of ways. We're we're in your streets. You know, we're in neighborhoods. We're in backyards and alleys. And again, we want to be a good neighbor. Um, we you know we do we do have that philosophy. Leave it better than you found it, uh, and if and if you if it needs fixing, fix it now. And again, we we support that sort of philosophy in all of our employees. Um, and then for me, again, it's also you know serving on those boards and councils and commissions in the communities we serve. It really helps inform our leadership as well um, how we how we can make investments in communities, how we use our philanthropy carefully, our corporate donations as well again so understanding you know the values and priorities of a community are, are critical because again we can i can go up and say hey this is a big priority for the city of pullman let's see if we can help support it either financially or with manpower um so so again it's 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 baked into our philosophy it has been we're celebrating 135 years next month in operation yeah, and here, here's here's uh, just I'm gonna throw in one testament that it is a little bit of both. Uh, I I reached out. It's probably just an afterthought, but like when the city uh, polled residents on quality of life issues of, as you can imagine, parks and recreation came back as one of the main drivers to determine like quality of life. 
So I reached out in, in a role of like Little League Baseball, right? Hey, we could really use sponsorship. And you didn't hesitate to say yes. Now, you're not paying for that. Avista's paying for that, right? So gladly and gladly, like that's going to go a huge way. It's the tiniest little amount of money, but it means a lot for the league. And I just, I, I, I saw that and I was like, hey, hey, everybody. I told the rest of the board, hey, Avista, Avista's in. Like they're going to help out um, and get a sign at the Little League Park. There, there's collaboration there, too, because the city allows us to have those up there, right, so that we can do that. The city has been great with that as well. They've been good partners. And so it was just it was nice for me to take a step back and look at all the different people that were involved and mm-hmm. entities that were involved to make sure that a quality of life issue for boys and girls in Little League and uh, kids with disabilities, right, there's that a challenger division. Like, they all have a chance to play. There's no cuts in this league. There are no tryouts or nothing like that. It's it's yeah. quality of life, and it might not happen if, if people weren't willing to say yes. And so, um, like, I thank you, and I thank the city, and I thank Avista, and there will be more people, I, I'm sure, that um, that are in that web that I, I haven't even recognized. So I think that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. True story, Mike. I, was, I loved baseball as a kid, you know, growing up Chicago area. Oh, sure. Wait, wait. White Sox or Cubs? Tell me the truth. <laughs> well, here, so my mom was a Cubbies fan for sure. Okay. But it was so hard to get into Wrigley Field uh, to get tickets, you know, and so we lived about 30 minutes out and my parents would let me take the, the train into Chicago with my older brother who was 12. Um, and we would take the train in and then hop the L um, and try to get into Wrigley Field. Uh, once in a while, we were successful, but most of the time, we'd go to Comiskey Park and watch the White Sox because it was easier to get in. But again, those were such great moments, and I always loved baseball. Um, I was never good at it. I was scared of the ball. And my dad was our little league coach one time, and you know, he was this big German guy with a a big temper to match. And so, he, I, I think I was pitching at one game, and he. Uh, he called me a few savory word, word unsavory words, and um, the um, the umpire threw him out of the game. <laughs> I still remember that. Though. I I just told somebody yesterday. That. <laughs> I may be the only person who's been kicked out of two little league games in Pullman. There, yes, there is a backstory. No, it wasn't a normal situation. One of them had to be done. It had to be done because at that time, and not anymore, but at that time, we had an umpire a signer, right, that was not living in Pullman. He was living in Kansas City, doing things by day. And we were having some issues with some umpires and not showing up on time and anyway, this and that. And none of the emails, and I was league president at the time, none of the emails were coming back to us. And so, um, like, like, how do we get in touch with this person when mm-hmm. he's not re- communicating back? And so the thing is, if you get if there's somebody kicked out of a game, then the umpire chief has to talk to both the umpire involved and the coach involved. So it was even before a game, I told my assistant, hey, I'm going to get kicked out of this game, just so you know. <laughs> it was the fourth inning before the kids even knew I was gone. Like, it was that quiet. I just said a couple things very softly. He, he yeah. tossed me out very softly. And then they had to call me. And so now I had the open phone, and I was <laughs> able to air the league's grievances. <laughs> so, oh, geez, funny stories. I am surprised. You know, the, back in the good old days, you could go with a 12-year-old brother and, and ride the train yeah. in and all that. So it was, it was magical. I mean, we get there for batting practice, you know, and just run after foul balls, you know. And it was just, yeah, it was so fun. And, you know, again, we'd, we'd get let loose in downtown 
Chicago hit the museums and it it was a you know a different day um regrettably it, it's not quite as safe now but still those were those are really fun memories yeah i'm a, i'm a cubs guy myself but i i got to say there must have been some fun times with bill veck as the uh you know owner of the the team and some of the stuff going on there like demolition night or whatever it was <laughs> odd odd stuff but yeah. Uh, well, well, let me ask you this. So, okay, so I brought up a Vista, and now, now here's the big, the big, uh, all hands on deck. Not only that, but we're going to have to hire more hands to come in. So, take me through the the gas pipeline, and the tremendous response from a Vista, and all the hired laborers uh, to come put that in. Uh, when all was said and done, where, where were you when you got that call or found out, and what did your life look like for about four or five days? Well, truth be told, um, my my team was up in Spokane. We had had an all teams meeting that morning, and at noon we decided to do some sort of um, team event, like we always do, whether it's bowling or or whatever. Oh, I'm gonna come work for Vista. This yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, it was good. it was good. Um, so. So we decided to do axe throwing at some little spot on division. Um, so we get there and we're throwing axes and having fun. Um, and about about 10 minutes into it, we get a call. This major gas line incident happens and it, it's everybody just scrambles. So mm. I knew the best place I could be was back down on the Palouse. Um, so we all raced home and as I'm driving home, I'm taking phone calls, getting status reports, and then just kind of figuring out who do I reach out to, how how quickly, what's going to happen. Um, so again, we didn't have all the facts, but we knew there was a, a you know, the major Williams pipeline that feeds uh, everywhere from Albion Palouse down to the LC Valley um, was going to disrupt a lot of customers, about 36, 37,000 customers. Um, and what does that look like? How quickly um, is that system going to run out of gas too? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm quite sure because there, again, there's there's still gas moving through it, but as pressure uh, is reduced, then you just lose that uh, that flow. Um, so we thought, well, we may have three or four hours of of gas flow still, so it gives us a little more time. But um, as we discovered, you know, things were um, running out quicker than we thought, so we were on the horn. Um, calling uh, and essentially, you know, I'd, my my standard practice is to let our emergency managers know, our fire police, local officials, and sure. then we have people that um, work with our large customers, whether that's Clearwater Paper. Or, uh, I remember picking up the phone talking with WSU running their big gas boilers uh, as well. Uh, U of I, you know, who typically runs on wood waste for their steam generation. Unfortunately, had their steam plant down, so they were running on natural gas. So it was like, okay, this is really going to impact everybody, from the small restaurant on Main Street to our large industrial customers like the university. So, so again, and as as the day went on, we, you know, kind of got a timeline from Williams, like, hey, we we've got we've got crews deployed. Um, we're estimating. Took about until sometime later that first night uh, for them to get us an estimate, but about they estimated it would be repaired by the next afternoon, and they were pretty close. 
uh, but pretty impressive how they mobilize and they put in about a, I don't know, it looked like about a 20 foot section of new pipe. And this is high pressure. You know, I think, I think it was 16 inch pipeline with about 800 PSI. Mm. So again, a lot of pressure. Um, so, but once you get the pipeline fixed, then you've got to re-energize everything. And so while, while all that was happening, we had to figure out, um, never had a big gas outage like this. I mean, we had dig-ins around our communities, but never, never this widespread. So uh, just standing up our emergency operations team, what does that look like? It's all hands on deck because again, with gas, wasn't anything like electric. Uh, we've got to go in there and shut off appliances, uh, furnaces, all of that stuff in meters. Um, so we literally stood up around 800 people just to get out in the field and just start turning everybody off. Uh, and during that time, you know, we enter into mutual aid agreements with other utilities um, for assistance. And so we got, um, it, we ended up with eight different utilities from across the West, from Colorado, Wyoming, Dakotas, and then Westside um, Pacific Gas and Electric. And we even had um, Ellensburg, Washington, their, their gas crew came over from the city. Um, super nice people. So it was pretty cool, but it's like, okay, what, so we've got all these people coming. We had to stand up a communication system and laptops so they knew what they were doing, how we deploy them. Um, and it was just a monumental feat that really uh, came together really well. And credit goes to a lot of people. Um, but So we, we essentially stood up two command centers, one in Pullman, Moscow, right at... Uh, state line at, um, at the old Coleman oil bush distributor had a vacant building um, so we were able to use that as a staging area and then then down in the Lewis Clark Valley um, so um, it, it worked out really well and there were a few kinks along the way again first of all you want to determine and understand who are those critical customers from hospitals um, police fire emergency etc and make sure that we get them lit up quick quickly senior centers and all that but again putting gas back on is very different than flipping switches and breakers for electricity so we decided to put out these maps and kind of create these zones where you know again it was like we can we think we can get to this area within the next 24 hours based on our manpower so we had we had crews of two i think we had 40 40 crews of two on the palouse and then 50 crews down in the valley and so again we they had go books where they knew where to go, addresses, and, and then just started doing that. And then we had some trouble crews, which really helped me uh, when I got a call from, say, fire chief. Like, hey, Paul, how come we're not lit here kind of thing. I could dispatch somebody really quickly. Um, so a lot of hands on deck, 800 total, uh, eight different mutual aid agreements, um, you know, price tag it wasn't cheap i still don't i haven't seen the numbers yet on what <laughs> what that cost but you know i mean the impacts i mean I, I i look at some of our customers on main street restaurants for instance you know that cook with gas and it's like they were out you know and couldn't yeah. do a thing about it um unfortunately thankfully the weather was was fairly moderate it wasn't super cold uh, so we didn't have to worry about freezing pipes which was really good yeah, that made a huge difference, not having it be as cold as it normally is. And mm -hmm. uh, I know we, we have electric range, uh, but 
we we have gas for everything else for heat and all that and we were we were fine we were warm enough uh had a new roof put on in october and that made a big difference or september that made a big difference as well and and so we stayed warm in my house and then we had some friends that live out in the country just a little ways they're not on gas they're on electric and they happen to be out of town in fact so they gave us again pullman you know it's a safe right. they gave us their their code to their garage we went in we showered at their house yeah. a few times it was uh, amazing right it was uh but i had a couple gentlemen that showed up from they were from colorado uh-huh. and you could tell they were tired uh they they were st- they stayed positive though um they were doing our neighborhood and they were even very um you know, I know the, the, the thing was they were going to leave a tag and then come back um, later if you weren't home. But, like, all of the neighbors, we were all looking out for each other. So I knew a friend of mine was gone. I said, hey, I'm going to see you in a minute. I'm running up to my neighbor's house. And I did because they were out of town. And, I, you know, I, I have the garage code and everything. And, yeah. and uh, anyway, we got everything turned back on. Like, it worked really, really well. And they, they just they were working so hard. And um, I... You know, on the practical side, I was thinking dollars and cents is a lot. You know, Vista spending a lot of money here to, to right. get this on back up. But on the other hand, um, it's what you guys do. So you know, the, yeah, and the silver lining is, as you said, it's like you know, it it almost forced some people to get to know their neighbors a little better. You know, and I, you know, I mean that's a lesson. Again, one of the one of the bumper stickers. I, I don't have it on my car, but I love it because it's it says practice radical neighboring. and you know i challenge people that you know and say do you actually know your neighbors can you name everybody on your block yeah yeah and i do and i love it and uh my like with all my neighbors we have keys to each other's houses like we just do and we watch out for each other when we're gone and pick up packages when we can tell that they're gone and um you know plow the streets and i love it and it kind of reminds me though of of uh you know, in my in my profession in public relations in crisis communications, you don't wait until the crisis to try to figure things out. So, this may have been a bigger issue, and certainly there were things you had to do on the fly. But but you had a plan, like a Vista had a yeah. plan in place for certain contingencies. You know, and and obviously, you know, you'll you'll evaluate that after the fact. But but you have to have the right people who know people. I mean, your business manager can't be scrambling to figure out well who. Who would I call or who would I talk to at the University yeah. of Idaho? Who would I talk to at WSU? Who would I talk to at the city? Like relationships, that's important for you right. to already know, like who are the key people that mm-hmm. I need to talk to in case of emergency, in case of crisis, uh, who would join me if we had a joint, you know, joint information, you know, uh, center. Uh, like all of that is is vital and it has to happen beforehand, right? Well, so, you, know, you know, my experience as a county commissioner you know, we would practice, you know, around emergencies and we called them tabletop exercises mm-hmm. where you pretended there was a flood or something, a fire. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the right people in the room, but, you know, until you actually experience um, some sort of event, whether it's weather or fire or uh, a natural gas, it's like you don't appreciate how much coordination goes into this. And I, I have a profound respect for emergency operations folks and again we we never appreciate them until the you know the event happens um or the disaster happens and, and yeah one of the things that i really i really appreciated was you know again the, the wildfire up in malden 
and how how the emergency management came around alongside it wasn't perfect by any means but again it just it just goes to show how you keep those priorities straight how you make sure that that you support your emergency services because at the end of the day you're gonna you will need them you know again you see things like i know that. i know there were when i was on council there were uh some of us were really pushing hard for gis yeah. which we didn't have you know in in our city and it we are I don't know how far into it we're, we're, it's been built out and we have an employee with the city who's, who's doing this, but I know our emergency personnel were asking for this for a long time. And, <laughs> right. and sometimes I take my cues from them. They're saying, Hey, we really could use this. It would be nice yeah. to know. Uh, and, and I think right before I got on council, my neighbor next door, they had raw sewage that was coming into their, their basement uh, mm -hmm. at one point. And so they, you know, what do you do when that happens? So they call 911 and folks are coming out and they're looking they're trying to figure out well i don't know we don't we don't know where this is coming from and sure enough there's like uh there's like a little trail behind our houses it's all grown over with brush it was uh this little access point you know for something and it was institutional knowledge somebody had retired it wasn't there was no gis like yeah. this was an asset the city didn't even know existed so it hadn't been cleaned it had none of that had happened right mm -hmm. and firefighters were saying when we when we are rolling up to a fire we want to know already we want to have it pinpointed digitally yeah. like where are the hydrants where mm -hmm. are all of these things and and so like i it, it's it's eye-opening like how much forethought goes into mm -hmm. everything um and some of it's because they have been burned before you know they yeah. they they know and they they're they're correcting that so um, anyway, I was just really impressed by the way Avista reached out and communicated a lot. Yeah. Um, they, you know, certainly there are going to be people, people who were disappointed, you know, that they we thought we, Avista was going to be here at 11 and it's 1 o'clock and they're not here. Well, <laughs> I think when all was said and done, though, you look back and it was a success. And I think the people, yeah. including you, but all of the people that were involved uh, from the top down to the contractors just worked their you-know-what off. Yeah, and um, it was really successful. Yeah, just uh, tomorrow. In fact, I'm in front of the Whitman Local Emergency Planning Committee to talk about that. Um, just kind of a recap. So, um, again, it's you know lessons learned. What we do well. What we what what do we need improvement on? You know, we do these um, after incident reports and just kind of really kind of make sure. Okay. We, we had some weaknesses in our technology support or weaknesses in logistics kind of thing and, and figure out how we can make those better. Really cute story though, Brendan was... Um, Love was cute out, stories, please. I, I was uh, I was out in Troy and Deary and Beauville uh, just checking in on those communities because again, they're, you know, they were on the system and you know, the way our, our gas lines feed, you know, they weren't going to be first on the list for... Re for restoration but you know we wanted to make sure they were still a priority and we hadn't forgotten about them but um, Williams Pipeline um, generously provided 800 blankets um, and so one of the things like I get deliveries at the dock at our Pullman Service Center um, they sent all these blankets via Amazon individually boxed 800 queen-size fleece blankets really nice blankets and I'm like okay I need to figure out how to get these out in the communities and so so again I, I called my people out there and said hey you know found out Deary was having a senior meal site that day so we took him out there and they thought that was the greatest thing 
um, got them to Beauville and the mayor and one of her council members just went around knocking on doors and giving blankets out. Um, mm. I mean, just really cool stuff. I mean, you know, and again, the mayor said, you know, there's a lot of proud people here and they wouldn't come into the community center to get a blanket. But if I stop at their house and knock on the door and, and hand it to them, they'll take it. You know, so it, it's, it was so cool. Um, but Black Hills Energy was out, um, I think it was in Troy, and I stopped just to check in how they were doing. And, and the one guy said, man, because I've never been hugged so much in my life. Because <laughs> these are really pr friendly people. And then uh, somebody from Pacific Gas and Electric said, hey, you got any jobs open? I think I might want to move here. <laughs> that's so, amazing. Now, Black Hills Energy, that's the one from Colorado? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, those were the gentlemen. Yeah, they yeah. some of the their their company was was uh, who yeah. came to my house. Yeah, they're kind um, of, yeah, pretty cool, cool stuff. I mean, these are great, great people. So it was wonderful. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, it still took a while, and it did impact business. And I know uh, we tried to figure out. You know, I, I remember convening with. Um, uh, <clears throat> Let's see, it was Sean Miller from the City of Pullman, your economic development director. Yeah. And Marie from the Chamber and a number of others. Like, hey, you know, we had some impacts um, with business. Are there any resources we can go chase and see, you know, can we get these businesses whole again? And, you know, again, it, unfortunately, we got the SBA involved, SBDC. And unfortunately, since it wasn't a, a you know, an, a natural disaster, you know, all these programs just didn't apply. Uh, you know, we chased after, we made phone calls to the governor, uh, commerce, and everybody like, hey, any assistance at all would be wonderful. But it was like, no, just we don't have programs for this kind of outage. So so that's kind of a, hmm, maybe an opportunity that we create some sort of, you know, disaster recovery fund that, you know, outside of natural disasters. Mm -hmm. so, so we'll, yeah. we'll see again. Um, but I, my heart was for you know, really out for those small businesses and especially our, our restaurants that just, just really had to. Just... I did ask the gentlemen who were at my house, uh, cause you know, we gave them cookies and then ask if, if they had a lot of people giving them food and they said, we're stuffed. We're so, <laughs> I remember he was just so grateful, you know, yes, I've got power on. I'm normally a jerk, but right now I'm so nice to everybody because I'm so happy, you know. <laughs> you know, one, one of the things you find out log logistic-wise, you know, food is really important to our, our crews. And we always want to make sure they have plenty to eat. Uh, hot meals for breakfast and dinner out at that um, that um, center. And it, so it, it, it worked out really well. We had a Happy Day Catering just providing mm. meals um, for all those days. So it, it worked out really well. No, let's uh, let's uh, finish with something that I uh, let's get to know Paul Kimmel. Okay. Uh, basically, going to ask you all the questions that we need to reverse engineer and figure out all your passwords and stuff like that. But like, uh, without being prepared, like, do you have a favorite movie? Tell me your favorite movie. Oh, it's probably a war movie. Um, you know, I, I think one of my all-time favorites is uh, a John Wayne movie called In Harm's Way. So Navy movie. Yep, I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite band of all time or a musician? Oh, you know, I'm I'm a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Ooh. Okay. Uh, how about a uh, a favorite TV show? Um, you know, probably some of the older sitcoms, um, shows. 
mean, I, you know, crazy as it sounds, I always used to chuckle with Sanford and Son. That oh, that's good, yeah, that's a good show. That's a good show, but you know, um, we know when your heyday was. Now we're catching. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, as a kid, you know, we had we had strict TV watching policies. You know, Friday night we got to watch a movie, um, usually, and then Saturday morning cartoons. But uh, again, then we had to subject ourselves to. You know, outdoor play and all that kind of weird stuff yeah but but i mean again we had if we wanted to watch tv on sundays it was the lawrence welk show you know but then the the special treat after that was bonanza so oh bonanza so that absolutely. is dating myself but. yeah yeah it's getting worse for you here every time <laughs> so do i dare ask what your favorite food is oh you know i'm a you know i when i was in grad school i waited tables and then became a a cook and a manager of a restaurant in moscow called biscuit root park and okay. it was a, a wonderful restaurant, really nice, nice menu. So I learned how to cook, um, and I still use some of those recipes. Um, I'm a carbo guy, so a, a nice fettuccine Alfredo is probably my my comfort food. Oh, I'm a carb I'm a carb guy as well, and I'm seeing a fat doctor right now who has forbade me from eating carbs or anything that could convert to sugar. So I'm. I'm two months in now, Paul, and I've lost 20 pounds, and I have like 50 more to go. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. But it's been hard because carbs is everything. I love it so much. If it's a good bread or noodle or something, oh. I ran in. uh, We were shopping at Safeway and Pullman on Saturday. And who do I run into in the pasta aisle was my doctor. I'm just like, oh, crap. I am so busted. But, But no judgment. She just kept her eyes up here, didn't even look in my cart. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, uh, your what's your what's your beverage of choice? Um, I'm a bourbon guy, so okay. not expensive bourbon. You know, maybe just kind of thirty dollar bottle. Um, my dad was a bourbon guy, and I sort of um, took his cues. Uh, so, you know, when I'm out, I, I'll usually have a Manhattan. Okay. Paul, before I before I cut you off, you've got an open mic. Anything you want to add? No, it's it's great. This is a great opportunity, and I'm, I'm you know, again, my, I, I have no regrets. I mean, I had a, I've had a great, um, not that I'm announcing a retirement, but you know, I've had some great life experiences in my, my career from elected office to what I do today. Okay. Um, but I'm always still learning, um, and again, it's putting. Putting community first as much as you can. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. In fact, tomorrow I'm uh, working with Jeff Guyatt on a, a community action center. We're looking at um, a small attainable housing project that we're considering for Rosalia. And that's, a, you know, six units, six really stylish little cottages. But that's the kind of stuff that, I mean, it gets me up in the morning. It's like, how do we, how do we move the dial? You know, it, it's interesting that you said that because right now, I've been looking at a lot of uh, information and talking to uh, key folks, whether it's police mm-hmm. or fire. Um, I, I think we need to care for our poor and needy. I also yeah. worry about having to have people come in because there aren't facilities or places that are affordable in their own community. So they end up in Pullman without maybe a family or support network. So to hear like that there's a potential of something in Rosalia, that yeah. means that people that are in Rosalia instead of having to come to Pullman to be able to live, they right. can live in Rosalia and maybe where they have family or other support. I, I really like that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's so. it's good. I mean, I, I, just keeping the priorities straight, too. I mean, 
Don't get yeah. all twisted up in the politics and silliness going on. And yeah. Well, thank you so much, Paul Kimmel. I, I know that we're better on the Palouse for having you with us. And I know I personally appreciate, again, your positivity. And I just, I, it's making me better. And you <laughs> are another reason I'm Pullman Proud. So thank you so much for, for joining me. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Thanks, Paul. All right, see ya. I thank you so much for listening to the Pullman Proud podcast. What makes you Pullman Proud? Would you like to be on the podcast? Or do you know someone who you think would be a great guest? Email me, pullmanproud at gmail.com. Now let's all do something today to make our community even better.